Guten Tag, Howlers. <laughs> <laughs> Got a couple quick warnings for you here today. The first warning. This podcast contains adult content. Aaron, hit it. Don't be a bloody damn pixie. Second warning. This podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising universe. If you have not read the books, you probably shouldn't be listening to like the fourth episode we're on Morningstar. M- we're in Morningstar. <laughs> ow, ow. Point, uh, where can people find us on the internet? They can find us. At Howlerpod, H O W L E R P O D, W W W, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Etsy, and s- and Google. Some if you Google it's it, everywhere. we're there. Also, <laughs> you can email us howlerpod at gmail.com. Boom! And now Howlerpod. Oh. oh! Then let this be our second chance for you, for me, for both of our people. I want what you want. And when you and I are aligned, when have we ever lost? Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising series by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow! I'm your host, Ben Reinert. As always, I am joined today by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. We are here to talk to you guys about... Morningstar, chapters 19 through 25. Sure are. We need to figure out what happened in these bloody damn chapters. Guess what? I'm not going to read any further because I'm still happy. <laughs> so I'm just going to stop. Oh, yeah. We're stopping after this podcast this is, is over. This is the last episode because <laughs> I do not want to cry this week. I think, yeah, the next episode is just going to be 45 minutes of sobbing. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not reading more. You're on your own. All right, let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summary. Let's do it. Chapter 19, Pressure. The Howlers. Under pressure. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Pushing down on me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the Howlers and their hostages are sucked out of the broken window and into space. As they fly out, Daryl remembers what he was taught during his time in the Academy about what happens to the human body when exposed to the vacuum of space. Daryl watches as his body and the bodies of the howlers around him distort and inflate. He has a moment of reflection, then passes out. Daryl then wakes up blind in the cargo hold of the ship. Holiday was able to have their pilot maneuver the ship and pick them up on the fly. All of the howlers start coming to but Darrow doesn't hear Ragnar and asks for him. Ragnar lets him know that the Abyss has not claimed him yet. Aww. <laughs> Chapter 20. Oh my gosh, don't even... <laughs> no, I meant, aw, that's cute. Not like, aw, I'm going to kill myself. Aw, okay. the Abyss is about to claim him? Shut up. Okay, I'm going to kill you. Chapter 20, Descent. They return to a Sons of Ares safe house, and Severo takes command back from Darrow and begins giving orders. Their obsidian disguises are all gone. They melted off, and the local Sons recognize Darrow, and they're like, The Reaper. 
Severo wants to buy time to blow up bombs and find a way of escape. Darrow sneaks off to go talk to Kavax with Ragnar. Kavax fills Darrow in on his side of events. Mustang told the Telemannuses that Darrow is a red. They then didn't come to the triumph, but Mustang sent them to help once the attack started. Mustang warned House Arcos and Orion, saving all of Darrow's crew's lives. Then Mustang put Orion in command of the Pax, a blue. Wow, she must be democratic. (laughs) (laughs) Kavax tells Darrow that they contacted Severo months ago, but Severo didn't tell Darrow. Sneaky. You got to give him his his messages, bro. Yeah, there's no answering machine (laughs) in this time. Send a memo or something. We'll post it. <laughs> yeah, so Mustang called. <laughs> Call her back at five 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 one three. Five five five. She loves you <laughs> yeah. and has your child. <laughs> so then um, Darrow and Ragnar go back to the Howlers, who are packing up to leave. Severo keeps ignoring Darrow's cues to have a private chat because he's being a little bitch. Severo wants to leave, but Ragnar and Holiday do not want to abandon the local sons to slaughter. Rolo suggests using the Reaper's army, the one that will rise up if they see the Reaper. And Severo gets all mad and petulant, and he storms from the room and then goes to Quicksilver's cell. Daryl follows him. Severo threatens Quicksilver to get them a safe escape, but Quicksilver guesses that it is Severo speaking because he says, boyo, and he's like, clearly Severo. He tells Severo that this is all a misunderstanding because he, Regulus Ag's son, is a founding member of the Sons of Ares. What? what? Chapter 21, Quicksilver. Severo doesn't believe Quicksilver's declaration that he was a founding member of the Sons and continues to antagonize him and like punch him in the face and shit. Uh, Darrow, standing behind Severo in the dark still, then asked Quicksilver about Mateo. Why was he in Quicksilver's bedroom? Quicksilver explains that Mateo is his husband. Darrow asks him, where was Mateo six years ago? And Quicksilver tells him he was in Yorktown training Darrow. Darrow asks him where Mateo was six years ago, and Quicksilver tells him he was in Yorkton training Darrow. Darrow steps out of the darkness and tells Severo, that Quicksilver is telling the truth. Quicksilver is stunned by Darrow's presence, thinking him dead. Severo still doesn't believe Quicksilver's story. Darrow then asks Quicksilver, where is Tinos? He responds with the exact location, and Severo is stunned. He still doesn't want to believe Quicksilver and asks why he hasn't been helping them fight. Quicksilver tells Severo that he, has, he was a bad investment. And that way he is running the Suns will only lead to ruin. He then explains his motives for joining the Suns in the first place, saying that he is a capitalist and gold does not want to continue to evolve. They only want to hold things as they are. He's like, I want robots and I want to just like go outside the solar system and do all this cool shit and make a lot more money. Robots? Like VR? (laughs) Severo still won't believe Quicksilver. Come on, man. But Darrow does, he tells Severo that they can't blow up the bombs they planted now, telling him it's time to stop and reassess this situation. Severo refuses 
pulls out his detonator and primes it to blow the bombs. Darrow tells him to stop, but Severo refuses, telling Darrow, unlike him, when he has a chance to destroy his enemies, he doesn't flinch. Whoa, Severo's so cool. <laughs> He's an angry elf right now. <laughs> angry little elf. <laughs> Chapter 22, The Weight of Ares. Just before Severo hits the detonation switch, Darrow activates a jam field, blocking the signal. Severo tries to run out of the jam field, but Darrow stops him by shooting a pulse fist over his head, nearly taking off his head. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck? So Severo turns around and is like, bro. Yeah. Seriously? And he attacks Darrow. They grapple for the detonator, throwing punches. Severo almost kicks Darrow's ass and vice versa. <laughs> it's a pretty epic bro fight. Mm-hmm. Then the fight eventually ends with both of them on the floor in pain because Severo kicked Darrow in the balls, <laughs> as he would. Severo then begins sobbing. Darrow is surprised, but he sits with him and comforts him. They then have a heart-to-heart chat, finally. They regain their sense of trust and friendship in each other through this whole heartfelt bro moment. Severo then breaks the detonator in half, and he gives command back to the Reaper. Chapter 23, The Tide. After Darrow and Severo's fight, they release Quicksilver and bring him into the ready room with the rest of the Howlers. They explain he's a son of Ares and confirm the new chain of command. Darrow is Howler 1, Severo, Howler 2. Darrow has them all put their pull out their suicide tooth, explaining that if he is going to die, it's going to be with his friends. The other Howlers follow along. Daryl wants them to be able to believe in what he's trying to accomplish, not feel like they've got like a death sentence. Darrow and Severo then call the Jackal and tell him they have kidnapped Quicksilver and will kill him if Jackal does not agree to their demands. It's all a ploy to get the Jackal to come to uh, get them on Phobos, though. The Jackal tells Darrow he's coming for him and he's going to kill everybody and put Darrow back in the darkness. Darrow... The Howlers and the Suns then fly through the hollows in full armor, making it known that the Reaper lives and he is on Phobos. Quicksilver's resources allow them to hack the hollow network and broadcast to the entire society. Darrow declares Gold's rule to be at its end and says that they are the tide and it is rising. Woo! <laughs> Pumped up. He then commands Ragnar to bring down the society's military spire on Phobos. The broadcast switches to a new feed that follows Ragnar and an army of sons as they pour into the spire from everywhere. Severo then sees control of the battle, telling the low colors it is time to rise as he shouts orders and directions on what and where to attack. Severo will lead this battle, but Darrow will not be here to see it. Where's he going? He's going with Holiday in chapter 24, Hicks St. Leones. Mm. Here be lions. I wonder who's going to show up here. <laughs> <laughs> that was my best lion. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> so, Holiday and Darrow run through the halls, making it to the hangar that holds Quicksilver's luxury yacht, which is shaped like a sparrow in I flight. That was interesting. Yeah. So pretty. As Holiday and the blue pilot, Vesta, prep the ship, Daryl replaces his pulse armor with skin-tight winter seal skin. I'd like to see that. <laughs> Personally. 
Ragnar enters the hangar with two obsidian howlers. The tower has fallen. Ragnar and the obsidians enter the ship. Then, just before opening the hangar doors, Daryl yells, stop, because Mustang, y'all's queen, (laughs) is standing in front of the ship. Ragnar released Kavox and told him where Mustang could find Daryl, all behind Daryl's back. Sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. But, like, in a good way. Yeah, good sneaky, sneaky this time. In our opinion. Daryl was like, hey, dude, (laughs) not cool. You can't call my girlfriend before I talk to her. (laughs) So, Mustang tells Daryl that she joined the Moon Lords because she believes in Daryl's dream of a better world. She is joining the fight along with the Telemannuses and House Arcos. However, Mustang needs to see if Daryl can build, not just break, because she has a baby. (laughs) With Daryl. Spoiler. So, she also calls him a Helldiver, which is so cute. And I was like... (laughs) 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 I was like, she likes him. She's flirting. She's like pinching his butt. Hey, Helldiver. (laughs) Awesome. Chapter 25, Exodus. Darrow and Mustang enter the ship together, and Darrow confronts Ragnar about letting Kavox go and letting Mustang know where Darrow is going to be. He's like, what's up, that man? Ragnar is like quoting Lornar Akos to him and basically tells him, like, you guys just needed to make up already. He explains that if they were not able to bring Mustang to their cause, then they will not win until every gold is dead and that. That is not why I fight. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Darrow knows he is right. Ragnar then warns Mustang about betraying them. He's like, I gave you a chance here, but we're going to the ice. That's my domain. They all strap in and take off in this sleek yacht that Quicksilver provided. They slip in amongst their other fleeing high-color ships and past the incoming legions, and then make their way to Mars's pole and Ragnar's home. As they are making their way, a second ship speeds up on them, begins to attack, killing their blue pilot. And one of those, like, I was thinking of, you know, like the times where you're like looking at a person driving a car, and they're like driving, and it's that camera angle where you can see out the window mm-hmm. on the other side of them, and then they're driving along, and then all of a sudden another car comes up out of nowhere and like crashes into the window. That's what like, happened like to Like in a movie? Like yes. you haven't actually seen that happen? Yes. This okay. Is like in a movie thing. Yeah, like on, I don't know, like No Country for Old Men or something like that. Anyway, that's what happened to the blue pilot here. There's yeah. Like also, this recently <laughs> happened to another blue um, in the academy. Yeah. Just getting sprayed on the <laughs> controls. <laughs> Yikes. Daryl's just like looking at her one second, and then the other second, she's a big mess of blood. Anyway... So they kill the blue pilot, damage the ship in the process. We're, we're going down. Alarms are going off. This is a big problem. Mustang manages to make it up to the cockpit as the ship speeds toward the ice below. They brace for impact, and the ship punches into the ice. All while uh, Ragnar's like, not today. <laughs> laughing in the background right. and running to the back of the ship. Crazy. So, Ben, now that we've talked about what happened... What is the theme for these chapters? The theme for this week is reconciliation. That's nice. Friendship. It's a nice theme. <laughs> this is a fun one. So we have lots of reconciliation going on in these chapters One with one relationship between Darrow and Severo. That's yeah. a big one. Aw, bro. We got to get that figured out because it was going bad. 
Um, we also have with Mustang, obviously. Yeah, girl. And then a little bit with Kavox as well. And we've got some quotes to talk about. Oh, yeah. There's one other one. Darrow with himself. Well, yes. The yeah. Reaper. Yes. Darrow with the Reaper. So like the Reaper identity. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with Severo. Okay. Darrow says, he should be my simplest, strongest friendship. But because of loss, everything is twisted between us. Yep. And that quote just kind of Ain't exactly explains where we're at between these two right now. Ain't that the truth? Mm-hmm. And then after Severo and Darrow's fight, they make up. Severo says, and by the way, keep in mind, every time we quote, we always like chop it up. So mm-hmm. we're, we skip words in between and even paragraphs. Okay. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. So Severo says, I'm afraid all the time. I don't want to lose anyone. I don't want to let them down. You haven't, I say. If anything, I let you down. You were right. We both know it. It's my fault that your father's dead. It's my fault that whole night happened. Then Darrow continues, we've both forgotten we didn't get here on our own. You and I should be able to say anything to each other. That's how this works. It's how we work. We don't walk on eggshells. We talk to each other. Even if we say shit, that's hard to hear. So this is really the bro moment. The like. This is a huge moment. This like, is like the you know sitting on the porch smoking cigs at right. three a.m. like making up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And it's it all. I mean, it's just a huge, huge moment for the rising, really, because in the last year when Severo's been in charge, he's you know led them to like basically becoming kind of a terrorist group. And yeah, and Severo's just like punching through everything without even right. thinking about the the ripple effect that he's been creating, which is is not going well. Right. And Daryl even talks about that mentality that Severo had where he's like basically like I will protect my friends, fuck everyone else and whatever, right. you know, they think or do or whatever because he just wants to protect his friends and he's in the middle of this war that he didn't even start and now he's found himself being this leader that he didn't want to be and he's obviously super struggling with it and thinks that his only way out is to continue with the violence and Daryl's trying to get him to break free of that cycle right and then once they've so we've got this point where they've made up with each other it's just a huge moment like Daryl's kind of found himself again Severo's much more comfortable in that secondary role than it is being like everybody looking at him. This is Darrow talking. He says, bit by bit, I feel like my friends are coming back to me or maybe I'm coming back to them. Suppose it's the same thing, really. I always told Vitra to let people in. I could never take my own advice because I knew one day I'd have to betray them, that the foundation of our friendship was a lie. Now I'm with people who know who I am and I'm afraid to let them in because I'm afraid of losing them, disappointing them. But it's this bond that Severo and I share that makes us stronger than we were before. It's what we have that the Jackal doesn't. Nice. Yeah, so this, like, the fact that they're able to have this bond together and then later on build a bond with, rebuild that bond with Mustang, that's what ultimately, you know, leads them to the success of the rising. Like, that's the key to it. The right. fact that these... Victory! Right. The fact that they can bring people together instead of split them up. And this, I mean, this lesson is one that Darrow learned in the Institute early on. Mm-hmm. That people following you out of fear 
isn't the same as people following you out of friendship and trust. Like they, they put so much more of themselves behind it when they feel like they're a part of the leadership as well. So, yeah, you get some new insight on, on kind of Darrow and Severo in this situation. Cause we learned like just how much Severo was like struggling being a leader and Darrow finally feels like himself again i feel like and that he's got to take control and he's right. the person to do it you know and he has a conscience beyond what severo's is right you know he he cares for people he doesn't know and severo just wants to like make sure his friends don't die yeah so. mm-hmm. okay let's move on to kavax yeah telemanis do you think sophocles is sad because kavax is <laughs> He didn't come home. Because he's not there. Yeah. He's I like, love how he managed to like slip that in though. Like, he didn't like the gravy or <laughs> yeah. whatever. He didn't like that so sauce. Funny. We were eating <laughs> like with with Sophocles, but, but he didn't like the gravy. He didn't like it. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine. He's a fox. So Darrow sneaks off, as we said earlier, to speak with Kavox, mostly to get information about what's going on with Mustang. His girlfriend, because mm. he's mm-hmm. like, hey, she said something about Orion, and I was like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So, Kavox is, like, super open and willing to share with Darrow, even though he's tied to a pole. So, he's clearly not, Kavox is clearly not viewing Darrow as his enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's easily sharing. And then, the knowledge that Kavox gives to Darrow about what Mustang's been doing opens up the opportunity for Darrow to realign with Mustang because now that he knows like what she was doing while he was in the Jackal's right daycare. (laughs) 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 So it's, it's like a small moment, but like earlier on the Telemannuses align themselves with Darrow and Mm -hmm. they even warned him not to trust the Jackal. Right. So this is them still being, ultimately aligned with Mustang, but also with Darrow because they do trust him because of Pax. And they believe in what he believes in. Like Kavox talks about basically like how he raised Mustang and Mm -hmm. the stories that they used to talk about. It says like they talked about King Arthur and Mm -hmm. the Nazarene and just like that's about bringing people together. Right. And she was influenced by those stories and they clearly have that outlook towards life instead of like the domination kind of outlook that like most, the roman yeah. conquering outlook yeah and then ragnar ultimately is the one who opens the opportunity for this alliance to mm-hmm. blossom because he obviously sets kavox free and then kavox relays to mustang where darrow is so ragnar really propels that relationship even further right and that takes us to our next reconciliation which is with Yeah! Yeah. I'm so happy to have her back. She's so pretty. (laughs) She's just so You know when you're reading and you're just like, she's so gorgeous. (laughs) This is just turning, this is just turning into a Mustang fan cast. I'm surprised that people like don't like Mustang. Do people not like Mustang? No, we've had uh, people comment on things like, oh, this is really like, Making me like Mustang more. And I'm yeah. Like, How could you ever not like her? <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. She's so bae. <laughs> so, this whole uh, love fest with me and Mustang is reignited <laughs> when 
She's like standing in front of Quicksilver's sparrow ship mm-hmm. all alone. She had a ghost cloak on and was spying, waiting for the opportunity to be like, hey, Daryl. Hey, boo. <laughs> What's up? I kept your number. Um, and this is what Mustang says to Darrow. She says, I'm here because I want to believe in you, Darrow. I want to believe what you said in that tunnel. I ran from you because I didn't want to accept that the only answer was the sword. But the world we live in has conspired to take everything I love away. My mother, my father, my brothers. I will not let it take the friends I have left. I will not let it take you. What are you saying, I ask? I'm saying that I'm not letting you out of my sight. I'm coming with you. <laughs> and Daryl's like, what? what? Uh. Daryl's like, you can have me. <laughs> but also he's like, yes, come along, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Daryl's apprehensive because he's like, he's smart enough to realize that at like a drop of a hat, Mustang could literally tear apart the entire rising sure. just mm-hmm. by like letting one person know where Daryl was. Right. But at the same time, well, first of all, he loves Mustang and unbeknownst to him, he has a love child with Mustang. <laughs> and um, I think that he also realizes that they also can't win without Mustang. Right. He's he kind definitely of knows like that. on a precipice where he has no choice but to trust her because none of them are as smart as she is about politics. Yeah, well, he he knows he needs her, but obviously, like, when he laid himself bare there in the tunnels on Mars, like, that moment hurt for him watching her run away like that, and it's still, like, hard to build that trust back. Yeah, he's he's definitely butthurt. He's also, he feels like she gave in by trying to make an alliance with peace. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I'm doing the smart move. I'm trying not to get everybody killed. Right. Yep. And they go on to talk about like how they're still, you know, weary of each other. Kind of like mm-hmm. they're basically like, uh, let's do this thing. But we're also kind of like, you got to prove it to me and I got to prove it to you type situation. You know, Mustang says at one point, and then let this be our second chance for you, for me, for both our people. I want what you want. And when you and I are aligned, when we, when have we ever lost? Together, we can build something, Darrow. That's a fucking pretty they awesome They can build line. a family. <laughs> They've never <laughs> lost together. It's pretty sweet. You like reminds me of like the Institute, like them teaming up together. Right. And how and, awesome and that was. It, that is what it is. Like, yeah. They are a great team. Mm-hmm. He's a great fighter and leader, and he inspires people to follow him. But she also has all of the leadership skills, but has the like learning from... Yeah, she's just got the smarts. From being herself, I don't (laughs) know. And from like her dad being the arch governor and her seeing the good and the bad of what he's done. Right. I think she has like a great background. I don't know, to be maybe sovereign? (laughs) Really? Maybe she should campaign? (laughs) I think so. Uh, Yeah, and then that kind of goes into like them still saying like this is kind of a test, the test run for this new alliance and the reconciliation between them daryl's saying how could i ask my men to trust a gold army how could i trust you mustang says you can't that is why i'm coming with you to prove i believe in your wife's dream but you have to prove something to me that you are worthy of my trust in turn i know you can break i need to see that you can build so this is on two levels really because she's saying that on one level because like she's like we got a kid at home 
And I need to be like. <laughs> <laughs> She's basically like, you know, at 18, you had a kid, but yeah. the girl didn't tell you. And then at like 30, she comes back and is like, do you have a 401k? <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, why? <laughs> you know. So, she yeah. Needs to make sure that little Pax isn't having a dad that's going to get him killed, basically. Right. And yeah, that's so it's, that's on one level what's going on. The other level is just like in order for them to be able to show this to other people, basically, that they're together, that they're an alliance, they have to first prove it to themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. That she has to show that she's willing to put herself on the line for the rising. Right, which she does by going with him right. without any of the telemonises or any guard. Right. I love how Mustang's like, you need to prove it to me too. She's like, I'm not right. just hopping along to follow you. Like, this is a two-way a, street. She's a badass. Exactly. It's what, it's what makes her a great character. She is amazing. Yeah. So then the final reconciliation moment, I think, is Darrow with himself as the Reaper. Right. So Daryl retaking the reins of this fight, of the rising, Mm -hmm. and him deciding not to let others lead and him follow, but really being the leader and the inspiration for all the low colors to kind of see him as this god figure, that this martyr figure. And, you know, he kind of like rose from the dead as well because they all thought he was yeah. dead yeah so he's really this like <laughs> crazy inspirational oh, figure very mythic at this point uh-huh. yeah to all of the the low colors especially the reds who saw him carved and they're like that's my hero yeah for sure so he um in the hollow speaks to the oranges and reds and um they show with quicksilver's help and Thank God for Quicksilver. Now they actually have some like yeah, right. money and, and like <laughs> skills beyond fighting. Mm-hmm. So they show EO's execution to this whole crowd of oranges and reds in the hollows. And Darrow says, I would have lived in peace, but my enemies brought me war. Which, by the way, I like said out loud when they said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to say I, that out I loud. Knew what he was gonna I say. would have lived in peace, but my enemies brought me war. That's good. I didn't say it like that. He says... Such an epic line. My name is Darrow of Lycos. You know my story. Now I stand before you, a man unbound. I stand before you, my brothers and sisters, to ask you to join me. If we fall, others will take our place because we are the tide and we are rising. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, like we said, this is Darrow... Grabbing the reins back, he is the Reaper now, and he's announcing to the entire world that I'm back, baby. We back. We back. And (laughs) guess what? Surprise twist. He doesn't have any sigils. Right. Which must look so alien to them. Oh, I'm sure. Every person they've ever seen their entire lives have had something marking their hands to denote which color they are. Even though, like, you can tell racially and their hair color and right. everything. So, and that's a true, like, indication that this is going to be the start of a new world. Like, this is a new dawn. It's a new day. The non-sigils are basically, like, the symbol for that, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, now that Darrow has reconciled with everybody, including himself as the leader of the war, it's time to move on to... 
the Prime Five, which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Sure is. So first off, we're going to talk about Rolo. Who is, is it Rolo or Rollo? I guess you're listening to audiobooks, so it's Rolo. <laughs> you always know the names better than I well, do. Well, Tim Gerard is definitely right, so... <laughs> Rolo. He also continues to speak in this awesome accent that I can't emulate because I'm not. Has he got like an Irish accent too? It's it's either Irish or English depending on if Darrow's pretending to be a red or a gold. Cool. And like I need to listen to the audiobooks. Yeah. So Rolo is a badass. He really is. He first of all like already knew they were all golds. He didn't assume they were obsidian. So Mm -hmm. he's not even surprised. That Darrow is the Reaper. Right. He's just like, hey, what's up? I knew you guys weren't obsidians. I'm not an idiot. Yep. He also um, gets in a fight with Victra and defends himself, defends all of the low colors for being like able to take on the golds when Victra's like, do you realize what golds could do to you? And he's like, do you realize what we could do to you, yeah. Julii? Because yeah. he like, knows who she is yeah. without anyone saying. And then... The best part is when he like knocks all these wrenches off a table and gets up in her face and like points in her face, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Okay, that's enough." Yep, and it's basically like him saying that stuff at that point that leads to their plan. Right, like he says, like if you come out and say, "I'm the Reaper," rise up, like this moon is going to fight. They're going to fight for you. The fuck out. Yeah, and they use that as part of their plan. To, you know, draw the jackal out, bring him to Phobos so that they can get away. But it's, yeah, it's Rolo who's the guy that basically comes up with that. And Holiday and Ragnar are like, we're not going to leave these reds. But Rolo is also like, you better not leave right. us. He's like, we're all going to die. And we're, like, we're not, we don't want to follow someone who's just going to abandon us. Right. He also helps Ragnar put the plan together to take the military spire. And Ragnar leaves like towards the end once it's taken and mm-hmm. Rolo and the Reds like clean up. Right. Taking it up. I mean, Rolo's a badass. He is pretty badass. This is his only like moment of I love fame. that part where he's like, I'm like, I'm 38 now and I can kill you 10 times before breakfast or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can like put together, you know. I can kill know, you 10 different ways with boots. a screwdriver or right. something like that. He can put together grab boots in like five seconds. <laughs> It's pretty cool. He's like, I'm not a welder. <laughs> yeah. Even though, like, welders are badass, too. <laughs> Calm down, Rolo. I'm an engineer. So, yeah. Also, engineers are not as cool as Rolo. <laughs> let me just say. No offense to any engineers that are listening to the podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying. I feel like a welder would be more badass because they're more, like, For of sure. the earth. Yes. You know? Yeah. Okay, so I'll take the next one. This was just a little moment I noticed that's a little bit of fuel for our... Roke Tactus ship fire. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Some relationship. Uh, Yes, I will read the quote here. My darling airhead, I'm well accustomed to gross swelling. Just ask your mother and your father and your sister. This is Darrow thinking back to his memory about the blue, teaching them about what happens to people in space, like swelling and shit. Of their face and head and And other organs. Yeah. So that's the quote from uh, Tactus. And Darrow says, I hear Tactus say in my memory, and I remember Roke's laugh, how his cheeks blushed at the crudeness of the joke. 
which makes me wonder why he stood so close to Tactus, why he cared so much about our body friend's drug use and then wept by Tactus's bedside when he lay dead. Hmm. I wonder. Why indeed, Darrow? Why indeed? Because they're fucking. That's why. Aw, they like each other. It's cute. It's pretty cute. Well, it's cute until Roke's a fucking traitor. <laughs> so yeah, more insight into Roke's relationship past. And just adds to the sadness that he feels and like his betrayal of Daryl. Because, I mean, like, he's just so sad about all these people that he loves getting killed that he thinks it's Daryl's fault. Also, I realize that, like, in the future, everyone's a little more fluid, but we... We have a lot of heterosexual relationships, and the only, like, openly gay relationship we know of now is Quicksilver. Right. Like, Roke and Tactus are, like, secret. Well, I mean, you have Ephraim and Trig. Uh, remember, I've only read Iron Gold once. <laughs> <laughs> so, once we do our reread, I'll remember. But that's not really evident in Morningstar. That's true. We don't know at this point. So, speaking of relationships... Mm-hmm. One of our prime fives, of course, from me, is Virginia, because she's so smart. Mustang! She is amazing. Mm -hmm. We learn through Kavox that she saw through Roke's betrayal and didn't rush to Darrow's side after the triumph, which was a trap. Yeah, it was a trap. Mm -hmm. But think about it. like At this point, Roke was still a friend, and Roke's like, oh my god, the Sovereign betrayed us. I saved your father. Why don't you come over to my ship? Roke tells her that he has her father and Darrow and that they're both badly wounded. And he's like, you need to come soon. Yeah, he's like, come on over. Do you know how hard it would be to like not? Oh, yeah. Because she doesn't know at this point that her father's dead. For sure. Or like what's happening to Darrow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like how difficult that would be. She immediately thinks, like, the Sovereign wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't be that overt. So Virginia's... So smart. That's my point. Right. Um, she also puts Orion in charge of the packs and is clearly like not opposed to people other than Gold's leading, which is very rare in right. Gold's, especially a peerless guard like Darrow was the first one to do it. Right. Yep. But she's like, oh, yeah, Orion's cool. She also brings House Arcos in by warm- warning them of the Sovereign and Roke's trap. Mm-hmm. So she uh, really binds everyone together and also secures an alliance with the Moon Lords. Mm-hmm. So all of this extra strength that Virginia brought together while Darrow was on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking of different ways to say where he was. She really backs the rising with all this power in the future like where we're about to be right and it's really the only way that they have a fighting chance against the might of the society so Mm -hmm. really virginia kind of saves the rising by being a badass bitch it's kind of like ragnar says it's just like it's never gonna work unless they're able to bring gold into the fold like (laughs) you have you have to be able to like she says, build bridges at some point, you know? Yeah. And otherwise, it's just like everybody has to die. And you have this bitter-ass war that... Just a massacre of... Right. Until everyone's dead. Exactly. And that's not what Daryl wants. Obviously, it's not what Mustang wants either. And so she understands the need for the alliance and that it's much better to 
to try and build this gold power, combine it with the sons, and then take down the sovereign, because the sovereign is the real problem. So that takes us to our next item on the Prime 5 list. And this one's just a quick one. Yeah. But it's Severo being weird. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why we love him so much. So if you remember... There's some weird stuff in Golden Sun about Severo sending a bunch of weird images and videos to... Unicorn porn. Yeah, to Darrow. And it basically, it's unicorn porn of some sort. Can we also, side note, that's like one line in this whole series. <laughs> and the Howlers have clung to that so fiercely. Because it's, it's hilarious. There's like a full thread that c- pops up every month, basically, in the Hicks St. Leonis group with someone... Just drops like, here's your unicorn thread. And then like <laughs> yeah. hundreds of people post photos of, of things with unicorns on them. I love it. But that's like one line in the book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So yeah, so this is a point where they've told the Howlers that Quicksilver is a son of Ares. So Severus says, he's a son. Can we move on? And then Victor replies, well, I'll be damned. Mother was right about you. Always said you had secrets. I thought it was something sexual. That you liked horses or something. She's talking about Quicksilver, but then it says Severo shifts uncomfortably. <laughs> <laughs> so we need a new thread about horse porn, right. which is closely related to unicorn porn. I just love that Pierce is like putting that little nugget in there. I feel like he uh-huh. did it for us. <laughs> He's like laughing to himself. Yeah. Typing away. <laughs> oh, Severo. What a little weirdo. What a weirdo. It's great. So, last on our Prime 5 list is the epic hallway fight between the bros, Severo and Darrow. So, uh, mostly we wanted to talk about how, uh, first of all, back to Pierce's writing, take a drink. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's crazy how, like, you're, like, in the fight. Like, you feel every punch and every tackle. It's also uh, kind of amazing that because of Darrow's fall from grace and then several gaining strength they're kind of equally matched in this moment mm-hmm. especially because several's quicker than darrow and several's a tough ass fighter yeah. yeah and he's dirty he's a yeah. dirty fighter <laughs> yes which we know um <laughs> the whole fight is i mean it would have been great to watch in real life right and it's such a important moment too it's just like this huge moment in in the not only these chapters just but really in the book like this right. is all this tension has built to this right peak and it has to break yes and they not only talk it out but they have to like physically get it out too they're like mad at each other they're mad at themselves exactly they're mad at themselves it's kind of like punishing each other but at the same time like they get to forgive each other and they're able to you know once they fight it out it's like all that energy and built-up resentment that they have toward each other they're able to let it go Right, and move on to how they're really feeling. Exactly. They drop their guards at that point. Yep, and that's what Darrow says. Like, we should be able to just talk to each other. But sometimes these two, with these two especially, like, they have to fight fight it out. (laughs) They do, yeah. I mean, they're both so strong. They're both leaders, Mm -hmm. and they're also both fighters. So, you know. And they're so strong-willed, and then they're both so used to keeping everything inside and that's what the chapter name even that goes down is like the weight of Ares. And right. uh we've talked about that in the past where it's Darrow when he was able to tell Severo about being a red, like how just sharing that weight was like such a huge 
uh, relief for him and like right. how much weight that took off his shoulders. And now it's kind of reversed here where Severo has that weight of leadership on him and he is struggling with it and he knows he knows he needs help, but he can't ask for it mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to disappoint anybody. He doesn't want to let anybody down. And he doesn't want his friends to be in danger. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, exactly. He doesn't want his friends to get killed and he feels like he has to carry that weight all himself and at this moment they're able to like fight it out and Severo's able to see that he can share this and Darrow's here to help him with it. Darrow in turn sees how much Severo struggled and that he needs to be able to take over this role from his friend and now it's his time to you know become the reaper and lead this rising. Reconciliation. Reconciliation. All right. That was a great moment. Thanks, Pierce. That was our prime five. So now it's time to name our primus of the week. Which is the one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. Who is it? Our primus of the week is Ragnar. Again. Again. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to keep giving Primus (laughs) forever. (laughs) He's going to be Primus even when he's not with us. He did have a great set of chapters, though. I mean. Right. And a lot of his moments weren't at the forefront, but a lot of these, like, passing things that Ragnar did really led us to this momentum that we're building towards the fight in uh, the ice. Yeah, the first thing that he does is, I mean, he literally directly leads to one of our reconciliations, and that's the meeting between Darrow and Mustang. They don't meet if Ragnar doesn't take the action that he took, because he lets right. Kavox go, he lets them know, he lets him know the plan, like where Darrow's going to be, so Mustang can show up there. And he's risking, at this point, uh, being oh. reprimanded and and I don't know what else well, from he's Darrow. Risking he's, his life, he's risking Darrow's life because he's risking the rising, really. Right, but like we talked about, Mustang could just be like, like go tell the sovereign out. immediately, right. yeah, if, if she wanted to or whatever. And I love that he quotes Lorne. Oh, so great! He can read now, <laughs> so he's saying basically like a good friend jumps with you, meaning right. that he's taking this leap of faith with Darrow. Right. Darrow's like, you could have killed me. And right. Ragnar's like, well, yeah, I, I would have been killed too. He's like, that's why we're doing this together. We're buds, bud. Yeah, he's like, I'm in this for real. And he makes the great point that he makes that point about what we talked about where we were like, if they fight this war the way it is now without any gold help, then it's going to be a battle to the last man. Right. And, and Ragnar has so much depth that he he doesn't even want to see gold killed. Like he really does want a new world with right. without destroying every person on it. I love that he always says I that is not why I fight. Like he knows his reasons for fighting. Right. And he says that multiple times in these in this book. And I just love that he's so like clear on what he stands for and like what he wants to accomplish and why he fights and like what he's working for i fight for my sisters right yeah <laughs> and it's bad. like it's your your ragnar voice is better because <laughs> of your male vocals. It's the one voice i do better than you sometimes it's like these secondary characters like ragnar like this who really actually convince you know our leading characters is like darrow says this stuff like about the rising and you know like he wants to create this new world but it's people like 
when Ragnar and those type of people buy in to what Darrow's saying and actually believe in it, it gives Darrow the confidence and like the peace of mind, like the the idea that he wants to move forward and do this. Like, you know, it, it basically allows him to be like, okay, these are real ideas that work. And lastly, from my point, Ragnar is also one of the ones to speak up about not leaving the reds that are in the hollows. Yes. So he's like, I'm not leaving these people to die yep. to, to save myself. Exactly. Because he is the shield of Tinos, not just Tinos, but he's the shield of the the low colors. He he defends those that can't defend themselves. Right. So he, he stands up to Severo and is like, nah, bro, I'm not leaving these people. Yeah. So does Holiday. But yep. And he's like, he's such a good reminder of just like what the Suns stand for, like tries to keep them on that track of like what are we fighting for why are we destroying this world and what are we going to build it's actually like ragnar has a lot of faith around that he has a lot of conviction behind that idea and his conviction just is is really important to you know characters like darrow and severo and stuff thanks ragnar he also takes the military spire which was pretty fucking sweet right he also comes back with two obsidians. He's like, hey, these are uh, some stains. They make that plan all himself, too. I love that Daryl's just like, I told him to take the tower. I didn't tell him how to do it. And yeah. then they came up with the whole plan themselves. And now we're going to the ice where, De- where Ragnar, he wants to lead and create this alliance with his mother and the rest of the obsidians and tell he them the truth. He doesn't realize his mom's a sneaky bitch. As well as kill those golds. So, um, I think he does though. Yeah. yeah. Also at the end of these chapters, when their ship is going down, Ragnar's just laughing and running around. Daryl's like freaking out cause he thinks about to die. And Ragnar's like, not today. Yeah. <laughs> he ends up kind of saving them cause they probably would have got shot down if he doesn't. Right. He shoot shoots the other the ship. Other ship. Yeah. yeah. He is so the hero this yep. time. So we got to give him primus of the week before we can't any longer i'm just he's always my he's my forever <laughs> primus thanks ragnar for all your service all right that was primus of the week you know what it's time for now what are we into this week what are you into i'm into this book slash it was turned into a movie it's called the host by stephanie meyer who yes she wrote twilight which yes i do like twilight <laughs> You dick. <laughs> I wasn't ben, even going to say anything. Ben is like such a dude about Twilight. <laughs> like if you actually read it, it's a good book. Are you sure about that? Yeah. I, I read them like three times in a row. I'm prone to rereading books. <laughs> um, but The Host by Stephanie Meyer, it's a, it's a novel. It's super good. You should read it. It was written in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, still good. It's about a post-apocalyptic Earth being invaded by a parasitic alien race Mm. known as souls. Mm -hmm. And basically, they embed themselves into your brain and take over the human body. Wow. And it wipes out the consciousness of the human, and then they, like, replace the consciousness, the souls do. Or so they thought. Whoa. Suspense. And then it was turned into a movie, and Sayori Z. Ronan. Did I say that right? No. Seriously? I think it's like Saoirse or something <laughs> like that. You know who I mean. Yeah. Um, the girl she, from Lady Bird. Yeah. She's <laughs> the main character and she's amazing, yeah. obviously. Um, 
the movie per usual is not as good as the book, but right. I really do like the movie after reading the book. So it's a good like supplement. So yeah, if you want a short novel, it's real easy. It's also, um, if you look it up, it says it's a romance novel, but it's like <laughs> about aliens. So That's I don't, weird. there is romance in it. Yeah. Um, but also aliens. So nice, you know, take your poison. So Ben, what are you into this week? I've got a music suggestion. It's Typical. Called, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what is it? I just listen to bands a lot, and I just like keep listening to the same albums over and over again. That's great. And I, this is kind of the way I consume music. So I'm really into this uh, album right now and band. The band is called Strand of Oaks, and the album is called Eraserland. It just came out here like in the last couple weeks. What I think type? It came out last week, actually. What genre? That's rock music, like alternative. He's a really great songwriter, and there's just some really, really cool tracks. I would highly suggest Ruby, uh, Weird Ways, Keys are some of my favorites, but the whole album, you can just, it's one of those albums that you just turn on one and just let it go all the way to the end. Nice. I've been really digging on it, so check it out. I will check it out. Mm-hmm. That is Strand of Oaks, album Eraserland. Yes. All right. What are we doing next week? <sighs> I know. I won't be here, but Ben will continue the <laughs> podcast by himself because I'll be uh, not reading any more of any of Pierce's books because yep. I can't emotionally handle it. <laughs> next week, we are going to be on the ice, ladies and gentlemen, chapters 26 through 30. The best part, though, your homeboy, who you love so much, arrow through the neck <laughs> <laughs> all right don't forget to follow us that will be instagram twitter facebook etsy email us howlerpod at gmail.com rate and review five stars yeah. only otherwise you get an arrow through the neck Ooh, yeah we're definitely gonna arrow through the neck somebody i'm gonna get some arrows first right then i'm gonna learn how to shoot a bow because i'm not katniss dude i already know how you do? Yeah. That's badass. I used to shoot a bow all the time. No fucking way. Yeah. I need, I need to see that. <laughs> I can't shoot anything, including darts. So you don't have to worry about me. But yeah, we would love a review or a five-star rating. Also, tag your friends. Share the word. Mostly share the books. That's what we are yes. here to do. We've recruited a couple new lady howlers. But Multiple. We even need to share with more people. That's true. The tide is rising. Spread the gospel. Yeah. This tide is rising. <laughs> All righty. Thanks, howlers. Omnis vir lupus. Oh. oh. oh.